Yo, yo, yo. Thanks for checking out the podcast. My name is Jason Bay. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. If you're here because you've sent an email before and maybe the prospect didn't respond and you thought it was a really good email or you're going to research a prospect and you're not quite sure what to say or how to open up that first line of your email, you're definitely in the right place. This podcast is 100% about prospecting, how you can build top of funnel pipeline and land more meetings with your ideal clients. So if that's why you're here, you're definitely in the right place. And without further ado, let's get to the interview today. super excited to talk about productivity today. And it's one of the topics that I don't feel like it's talked about enough in sales, actually. And there's a lot of productivity advice out there. But one thing in common that I find in the companies that we work with is the reps in the systems tend to be much more complicated than they actually need to be. There's like a 10-part system or like an extremely complex framework or workflow in Salesforce or outreach or you know, sales loft or vanilla soft, whatever sales engagement tool you're using. And the whole process is just clunky and it's very complicated. And one of the things we're going to talk about today, and I, I love Brian Margolis, his approach, he works with the most successful companies. So everything like Fortune 500 companies down to, you know, companies that are maybe more mid-market, but he really focuses on productivity. So how to be really effective with your time. And he's actually able to distill his entire system down into a note card. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest part of it. Because I'm a firm believer that if you look at diets, for example, the best diet is not the one that is the healthiest. The best diet is the one that you're most likely to follow, right? That's the best diet for you. Even if you only get 80, 90% of the results that you would with another one, you're still going to get better results if you can be consistent with it. And with any system or framework, especially around productivity, in my opinion, it's got to be freaking easy, right? It's got to be easy to do the system. And he distills it down into a note card. So I'm super excited for you to get to the conversation today with Brian. We're going to dig into a bunch of stuff productivity related. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. So uh, in doing research on you, I noticed that you were like in research, actually, like worked in a research role. <laughs> as a scientist, you mean? A research scientist. Or as a scientist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was wondering, because productivity is something I've always been like super passionate about. In that career, were you thinking about some of this stuff too? And like how you no. spent your time is now? Okay. So no, how did that all come no. up? When did you start thinking about productivity and you know, that sort of thing? So I was a research scientist in a previous mm-hmm. life and I had started a part-time business on the side. Yeah. It got to the point for me where that part-time business, I had to make a decision. Like I couldn't have a full-time job and actually keep going with this business. So I left that world and started my own business and Now I've been an entrepreneur now for over two decades and the productivity part came in. It it was never a passion or anything like that. It was Mm -hmm. out of frustration, which is maybe there was a a lot more ego back then, but I thought of myself as this smart guy and hardworking. Shoot, I would work morning till night. Mm -hmm. And so it would drive me nuts. I would look at other people. It felt like from the outside looking in, they were doing the same things I was doing which is one of the tricky parts about success. It looks like you're doing the same things they are, so to speak, right? And over the years, as I started realizing that although I was working hard and I was skilled and all that kind of stuff, it was I wasn't getting the return on investment for the time I was putting in. And so that's kind of where the birth of all this happened, which was the system that I ultimately figured out for myself 
you know, look, like I said, I'm an entrepreneur and I never saw myself in this world, but what took me years to figure out to help me go next level, I thought it was dumbed down for me because I didn't have any official training in sales or business, or I didn't have a business degree. So the stupid system that I was using that was really giving me success in the areas I was focused at the time, you know, when people started asking me what I do, I was almost embarrassed to show them. I'd be like, I just have this little index card and I make sure I, you know, and, (laughs) and when I started seeing the response from people who I at the time thought were way more successful than I was, I saw an opportunity as an entrepreneur. I was like, oh my God, the more people I talk to, I'm like, everyone's a freaking mess. You know, everyone's reactive all day and everyone's jumping all over the place if they don't have a way of being intentional about it. And so I honestly saw, uh, you know, for if I'm being completely honest, I saw an opportunity. And then it became addicting because then you start helping people, as you know. And, you know, I think what a lot of people don't understand about people who are in consulting and coaching is, look, we know that we essentially have given ourselves a job in a way. Yeah. Right. We understand that. But I think what a lot of people don't ever get to experience is it's exciting when you get someone else results. Oh, yeah. It's addicting when people send you certain emails and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've been doing it this way for 20 years. And anyway, so I don't know that I ever had a passion for productivity. But to me, I look at every business. And when I say business, by the way, a sales pro, they're running a business. If you have autonomy, you're running a business. And I look at every business now, and there's like two versions of every business. You have the reactive version of the business, and that's the one that most people run. They're skilled, they're talented, they'll go, 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 they'll grind, whatever, but they're basically reacting all day. They're changing directions, they're bouncing around, whatever. And by the way, you can be pretty successful doing that, right? You can grind your way to a certain level of success, just go, go, go. But then what I see in every business person, every salesperson, every opportunity, I see an intentional version that most people don't run. It's the same person. It's the same skill set. It's the same everything. But there's an intentional way to operate that business, right? Where you're predetermining where to focus your skills and talent on a weekly basis, on a daily, on an hourly. And that intentional version is 10 times more productive. 10 times better results. And so I just can't look at salespeople any other way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that it's so a couple of quick comments? Cause you mentioned yeah. like essentially that your system was so simple that you were embarrassed to share it. I relate with you, man, because when I talk about prospecting, I talk about the framework and it's like, there usually isn't an aha moment when I talk about, Hey, what's the 10,000 foot view here? Well, you only do three things. You identify opportunities, you engage with those folks to start conversations. Right. And there's a conversion that needs to happen into a meeting. Like that's it. Yeah. Do you find that people try to overcomplicate it with productivity and are always looking for like the fancy tool or the journal or (laughs) why, why do we do that? First and foremost, I think when something's novel, we like it more. Right. When it's a new idea or it's something we haven't heard before, the novelty has a certain amount of excitement. But I also think a lot of times we look for new ideas because we don't like the ones we were given. Yeah. I forget who said it, but I hear them quoted all the time where it's like, look, the reason people ask me for another idea is because they didn't do the first one I gave them. Right. Yeah. I call these open secrets of success. The whole idea of there's a secret, they're all right out in front of you. Yeah. I guarantee you, I don't even know your audience. I don't know the names. I don't know anything. 90%, and I might be generous here, 90% of the people listening to this right now 
do not actually plan their day and work their plan. Yeah. Now they've been hearing that since day one, some version of plan your day, work your plan. It's an open secret of success and very few people actually do it. Yeah, I agree with you 100% because that's something I look at a lot when it comes to prospecting because the reason why most people don't do it that I found is just, it's not even on their calendar. It's not even an activity that they've blocked off you know, time to do. So I want to talk about this a little because I feel like there's a mindset component to productivity. Is it that people are not bought in? Is it that they don't believe that there is a way that they can run their job as a salesperson in a way that is more intentional versus like, yeah, is there a limiting belief there? Like, what is it mentally? Because it is a really simple thing. I think that most people know they should be doing, but don't do it. It's uncomfortable. Okay. At some point in the relationship with my clients, I'd say eight out of 10 of them at some point make a comment somewhere along the lines of, yeah, I think I just have ADD. I'm undiagnosed, right? And look, I know there's a real medical condition. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But I think most people see themselves as kind of like I did. You think you're actually different or weak because you're reactive all day. You're bouncing all over the place. You're changing directions with the wind and the next email. And I actually think that's normal. I think that's natural. I think we're built that way. Okay. You know, I go back to my biology background and I say, look, I imagine the person who could focus on a task and tune out everything till it was done might also be the person who got eaten by the saber-toothed tiger, right? Yeah. Whereas the people who are constantly scanning their environment and looking for distraction and interruption, mm -hmm. to me, that's more normal. And so I don't ever find people who are naturally the way that I am now. I was never naturally this way. So I think it's more comfortable to be reactive, right? Then what you do is you take that and you combine it with the idea that most of us grew up with the valor, the honor, the whatever, that hard work was something to be proud of. Yeah. You know, there's a direct relationship between how hard you work, how busy you are, right? How many hours you put in and how good of a person you are. And that's a tough thing to shake. Yeah. There's no more relationship between how many hours you put in and how successful you are. Not, not in 2020. And so, you know, you have the social aspect of it and you have the biological aspect of it. And look, being intentional is just not how most people are. Here's the good news. It ain't that hard to change. Yeah. That's what's so crazy. You're so close. You're closer than you think. Just a couple of slight adjustments and you're there. Yeah. It's fun. Look, let's be honest. In the heat of the moment, okay, you might know every success principle in the world, 80, 20, work on your business, not in your business, productivity over activity. In the heat of the moment, when you have to make a decision, you can throw all that out the window. You will yeah. always choose the urgent. You will always choose what's loudest at the moment. And so unless those success principles are baked in, and I want to be very clear about this, if they're not baked into your predetermined strategy, meaning where you've decided in advance where to spend your time and effort, you're going to lose every time. Yeah. Habit's going to take over. Habit, comfort zone, all of it. Yeah. So just in talking to you so far, it sounds like you're kind of not on board with the hustle porn. <laughs> no. It's talked about these days. Well, Me look, neither, look, man. <laughs> I'm also not a person who thinks in absolutes, right? Yep. Which makes me bad at politics. But I don't see black and white. I see nuance. I see a continuum. I see shades of gray. Yep. I don't disagree with the fact that most people, not all, but most people, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to work pretty hard. Yeah. 
I don't disagree with working hard or anything like that. Look, all the hours in the world, all the hard work in the world, all the effort in the world without a strategy, you can't compensate, Mm -hmm. right? You can work all the hours you want. At a certain point, you're just multiplying by zero. Yep. If you don't have a strategy, no amount of hours will compensate for it. Yeah. Period. End of story. So yeah, I'm not a hustle, grind, porn guy. That's multiplying by zero for most people. Yeah. I mean, that's a very practical way of looking at it. I mean, not to mention the mental health ramifications of overworking yourself too. Yeah. That doesn't get talked about enough in sales, I don't think. I read something this morning. The book I'm reading right now called Who Not How Mm -hmm. by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. It just came out. I'm reading that book and they said something in there that I loved. It said, autonomy without clarity is a disaster. Yeah. If you're free to choose what you do, but you're not clear on what you need to be doing, you're done. Oh man, that's powerful. So it's our unwillingness to be uncomfortable, essentially, is where we need to go with this and where it can cause some issues with us adopting a more intentional approach. Yeah, here's the good news, right? Like, again, I said earlier, you're closer than you think. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is because in my system, right? So if we take a step back for like, if you're talking about a salesperson, okay, if you take a step back, What I'm asking them to do is run through a process, right? I have a certain process. I'm sure there's other ones out there. Run through a process to figure out where each week, what I call your pillars, right? Where you should be spending your time and energy to get the biggest return on investment. I call that being the CEO. The CEO gets paid the most. Why does the CEO get paid the most in a company? Not because they're the ones who are necessarily working the hardest or doing the toughest job. Because they determine where to expend the resources of the company, the manpower, the budget, all that kind of stuff to get the biggest return on investment. And the reason they're number one on the pay chart is because that's the most important job. The most important part of your business as a salesperson is determining where to focus your skills, your talents, and your energy, right? So that's the CEO. And I'm I'm answering your question, but I want to set it up. So that's the CEO part of your business. Then you have the person who has to execute on that plan, right? Now, for a salesperson, those people are one and the same, right? Now you've put together your weekly pillars. Now you need to go execute on that plan, okay? Where we get into trouble with the uncomfortableness is we don't trust the CEO. In the heat of the moment, we change our mind about what we already determined when we were clear and doing it right was important. We now change our mind in the midst of that. So the game becomes, okay, I've identified my pillars correctly, right? I can run my business from an index card. How do I hit them consistently? And as you said, we talk about getting comfortable. We talk about habits. Look, you know how hard it is to create a new habit intentionally, I'll say. We create new habits all the time, but to intentionally create a new habit. So my solution is to work with human nature. I don't want you creating a bunch of new habits. Mm -hmm. I want you creating one habit. I call it the super habit. I just want you to create one new habit. And that habit is pillar execution. Getting your business to the point where every week you have this open loop in your head and you need to close it. That's what a habit is basically, right? It's this loop that has to be closed. It doesn't feel right if it's not done. And so if you just create the habit of pillar execution, talk about simplicity, identify your pillars correctly, consistently hit them till it becomes habitual. And now the sky's the limit, right? You're off and running. 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the pillars. Let's get into your system, man. Okay. I, we're starting to get into the good stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the simplicity of like, I can put it on an index card. And what you said there around, I don't have to create a bunch of new habits. I can really focus on one. One is very appealing, even for me as a sales coach and trainer, because a lot of what I've been trying to incorporate into our coaching is talking more about habits, Yeah, <laughs> right? And what I've been really conscious of is I'm like, well, shit, I don't want to overwhelm people with stuff because there's like two or three things that if they do them really well, mm-hmm. like that's going to take care of like everything else. And even that feels like a lot to me when I'm like two or three things, I'm like, oh, well, getting someone to completely disrupt their way of doing things right now is like, you know, that pattern interruption is like you said, that's a huge thing to ask of someone for yeah. them to ask of themselves. So how do you look at the pillars? How do you break this up? So what we do, basically, we don't have the time here to go through the process, but ultimately what we do with the pillar system is we boil your business down. For me, a sales pro runs a business. I can't yep. speak any other way. Mm-hmm. I always say like entrepreneurs need to learn more about selling and people who sell need to learn more about running a business. And yep. That business is basically themselves, right? Yep. But basically what we do is we boil your week down to these, let's call it five, six, we'll call it seven pillars, whatever, five to seven pillars, right? Mm-hmm. These pillars, and I want to be clear about something, these are activities that you control whether they get done or not. They're not goals. Yeah, It's not like, okay, my one pillar is I need to sell three widgets a week, or I need to bring in $2 million in revenue a week. That's a goal right? Mm -hmm. These five to seven things are in your control, whether they get done. And the basic concept is as long as you do these five, six, seven things, you know, on Friday night, beyond a shadow of a doubt that your business is moving in the right direction, what we call the Friday night feeling. Yeah. And the reason that's so important is because in most sales positions, not all, but in most that aren't very transactional, the sales are often a lag indicator. Yep right? But when the sale actually lands. And so when you look back on your week and go, I had a good week, I had a bad week. And the only thing you look at are sales. It's very misleading. You can do all the right things and sales didn't land. You can do all the wrong things, but sales landed from things you did before. And so you often change directions when you don't need to. So with the pillars, we identify those five, six, seven things, right? That you're going to do each week that are in your control. And then we set it up so that you actually create the habit of hitting those things every week. I mean, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's like identify the right things to do, those things that give you the biggest return on investment, and then do them. (laughs) Do them consistently. I know it can vary, but what are the typical things like with sales teams that you work with? Like, what are some of the pillars? But do people ever have trouble kind of figuring out what those are? Is that ever a challenge? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see in your work? Because you work with a lot of different companies, very big companies as well. Mm -hmm. What do you see? So for most sales pros, it boils down to basically three three pillar types, if you will. Mm -hmm. You have what I'll call a consistency pillar. Okay. These are those things that you can already do effectively right? You can already do them effectively. You might not be a master at them, but you just need to make sure you're doing them consistently, right? For example, asking for referrals. Yeah. Even if you're mediocre at asking for referrals, the compound effect of asking for three referrals each week over a long period of time is huge. It's more of a consistency pillar, right? Making a certain number of dials, sending a certain number of emails, Mm -hmm. right? Those are consistency pillars. 
The second type of pillar that a lot of sales pros put into place, and my favorite pillars in the world, are learning pillars. Yeah. And what I mean is, a lot of us, we jump around, right? We see different podcasts, and we read different books, and there's all this great learning material out there. And some of us just learn for the sake of learning, okay? Yeah. Which is fine, but it's not intentional. And here's what I mean. The most important part to a learning pillar is choosing what to learn. So everyone listening to this, the answer is going to be different. But if you're going to get better at something, if you're going to go from a five to a seven or a seven to an eight or a zero to a three, right? If you're going to get better at a skill, before you dive in, figure out what skill or skills will give you the biggest return on investment. So I send a lot of people that I work with to your podcast because for a lot of them, the bottleneck in their business is prospecting. Yep. And it's so funny because I ask them, I'm like, well, you're having trouble getting in the door, getting access. They say it all different ways, right? Well, I'm not in front of the right people. I don't have enough qualified, you know, it all comes down to prospecting. Yep. And I said, have you ever actually just Googled? And the answer, by the way, is surprisingly no most of the time. Have you ever actually just Googled ways to prospect? how to prospect. There's no shortage of stuff out there. Yeah. Right. I literally, I use your website now on a, one of the presentations I do <laughs> because. Oh, uh, thanks, man. That's cool. Because <laughs> I'm trying to show them. I'm like, there's so much information out there. Yeah. And so it's not about just getting better. It's figuring out where you focus your effort. And then even inside of prospecting, right? Mm-hmm. If you're no good at direct response copywriting, if you're no good at writing emails that people respond to, And most people aren't. Most sales pros are zeros or ones, okay? They write emails like they're letters to their grandmother, like they're actually going to be read from top to bottom, okay? (laughs) Just going from a one to a four in that department will have a huge impact on your business, right? Yep. And so a learning pillar is about, okay, if I'm going to spend time, right? If I'm going to put some of my focus, I call it focus management. If I'm going to focus on getting better, what should I get better at? And you get that return on investment. So that's the learning pillar. And that's hard for salespeople. You know why? Because most salespeople that I encounter, if they're not picking up a phone, sending an email, having a meeting, or driving to a meeting, they don't see anything else as work. Meetings, 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 calls, 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 emails, email. They don't see sitting down for an hour a week or 90 minutes a week and actually working on their messaging or getting better at prospecting or whatever it is they don't see that as work, which it, it not only is it work, it's some of the most crucial work, right? And then the last kind of pillar for sales pros is a strategic pillar. And what a strategic pillar is, is these are things you can do ahead of time that makes something else more effective. So for example, if you have a huge lead list, like let's say you're a sales pro and you don't even have a territory, right? There's 10,000 companies you can call on. Well, One way to do it is just to pick up the phone and dial or send emails. Another one is to actually each week create a hit list and say, look, if I'm going to make 30 dials or if I'm going to send these emails or I'm going to whatever it is, I'm going to prospect these people. I want to figure out who's the most likely to buy if I get them on the phone or most likely to resonate with this message. And so doing that research to create a hit list each week prior to just going that makes you more effective. It makes each dial, each email more impactful. Yeah. So those are the three kind of pillars we deal with sales pros. Well, actually, if we kind of step back, how do you recommend people track 
this stuff? Is that what the index card is for? Is it like I just check off stuff? Index card. Yeah. See, check, 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 cross yeah. it off. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a check system. <laughs> for those listening, I'm showing them my index card. Yeah. <laughs> so it's essentially like a, did I do this or not kind of thing? From what it sounds like, does this work with someone's calendar? Should they plug it into that? Should they block off time for like, how do you recommend like that part of it work? Again, there's two parts of it, right? The first part is identifying the right pillars. What are those right things to yep. do? Mm-hmm. To me, I'm low tech, high check, right? Which is something yep. one of my coaches once showed me. But look, I don't care if you use a phone or a spreadsheet or whatever. I just find that for something like pillars, it needs to be in front of you each week. Yeah. Because there is a certain game or satisfaction to checking, 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 cross off, right? Check, 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 cross off. And there's that sense of completion of, I did it. I knocked out my pillars, right? Yep. So I don't recommend anything fancy. You have the identification of your pillars. Then you get in, okay, now that I have my pillars, how do I actually hit them consistently? And that's the whole second part of my book, second part of my course. And that involves things like blocking time in the mornings. We call it pro time, right? Yeah. To work on your proactive significant things, your pillars and, and other things like that. So there's all these different what I call cap strategies, custom accountability program strategies, like blocking things off and everyone's different. And so it's designed to work with your strengths, right? To hit them. But mm-hmm. it's so funny, but I find that it seems so obvious, like identify the right things to do and then and then figure out how to hit them consistently. Most people are not even at the starting line here. Yep. If I ask most people, do you have an actual strategy? And this is my test question. I say, look, your email broke. There's no incoming emails the rest of the day. By the way, your administrative tasks, they've all been magically done. And your two appointments this morning, they both canceled. If you don't know exactly what you would do next, you don't have a strategy. If you don't know what proactive thing you need to do next in your business, you don't have a strategy, period, end of the story which is why we check email all the time. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll get instructions from someone else on what to do next, right? No, interesting. So once we have these pillars, mm-hmm. so we got consistency, we have learning, we have strategic. I actually have a couple of questions. Like on the consistency one, I think the dials and the emails is definitely a, a very relevant one for prospecting for sure. Right. Like, because a lot of times the number of activities is kind of given to you as a rep, which is kind of weird versus it being something that is more like I can come up with this. And if from a qualitative standpoint, if my conversions are good, I don't have to make as many like, you know, that, that kind of thing. Is there anything with the pillars around the quality of the activity? How do you think about that? Because I, I think of working out and I'm like, well, I could go to the gym four times a week, but if I just do a bunch of random shit. I guess that's better than doing nothing, right? Right. But it's not as productive as if I had a a clear plan. So how do you think about the quality aspect of the consistency pillar? When you go through the process of figuring out what your pillars are, there are six characteristics of a pillar. And if a pillar doesn't meet all six, it's not a pillar. And one of those characteristics is that it's a high leverage activity. And the way I define that is you get disproportionate results. Yeah. So for example, I can email, and I think this is where you're going, I can send 100 emails. And like I said earlier, you're basically multiplying by zero. Yeah. Because your emails are so ineffective, doesn't matter if you send 10, 100, or 10,000, right? Yeah. Just emailing to email itself is not a quality thing, right? So that one wouldn't be a pillar per se on its own. One of the first questions with pillars is, 
when you talk about consistency, it's something you already know how to do effectively. Okay. If you can't do it effectively, it's not a pillar, meaning you don't have to be a master. Again, if you're sending out 100 emails a week and no one's responding to them, that's not an effective use of your time. Yeah. And so now we get into a learning pillar, right? Yeah. This is where you need to actually take the time and say, okay, I need to work on my messaging. The things that most people don't think of is work. So in the world of prospecting, which is your expertise, I think you would agree with this statement. There's only two reasons somebody won't take your meeting, right? First reason, you have nothing they value, yeah. which by the way, is often true. Yep. But you have nothing they're willing to exchange 30 minutes or 45 minutes of their time for, right? And often that just means you don't have the right person on the other end. Okay. So that's one reason somebody wouldn't take your meeting. The second reason, and I think a lot more common when you have a good targeted list, is that you can articulate that value quickly. Yep. And you can underline the word quickly about 38 times. In other words, you might have something valuable, but you don't have the ability in a subject line in a single sentence that they can see in the preview pane yep. or in a package you send them or in a, a voicemail you leave in the first eight, nine seconds of that voicemail, you yet don't have the ability to articulate that quickly. And so it's always one of those two things. And so if you're sending 100 emails, 1,000 emails, making dials left and right, and nobody's responding, you've got to look in those two areas. Does someone actually care about that? Is it valuable? And if you truly believe your product or service is, then your messaging's horrible. And you should be spending, forget sending a million emails, you should be spending a few hours a week getting better at messaging, right? Learning direct response, copywriting, learning what works, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So when you say the quality of the pillar, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, doing something just to do it's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Which again, I get that some sales reps have these, I have to do this many dials and garbage like that. And I can't correct that problem for them unless they get me on the phone with their manager. Well, I mean, this is kind of where the hey, it's still hard work part comes in. It's like, dude, I mean, hardly any sales organizations are making people work more than eight hours a day. Right. Spend an hour on top of that, like on yourself. Dude, if you're selling, nobody gives a crap how many dials you're making, but go ahead. Yeah, they really don't. It's like you're either getting the results or you aren't. And dude, put in a little bit of time, put in 30, 60 minutes a day into yourself in this learning pillar, right? Picking out some stuff to help you improve. It'll make your own life easier. Yep. You're not actually adding to your frustration by doing that. You're actually making your world easier. Yeah. If your messaging is better, you're going to have to make a lot less dials to get sales. Your numbers are going to go up, right? Yeah. For example, I work in a specific industry of salespeople. I, you know, sometimes you wind up with an accidental niche, right? Yeah. And I kind of started helping people in a certain sales vertical. And then it was a small world. So people start talking and things like that. But in this vertical, I can't tell you how many people Okay. I can't tell you how many people they'll tell me I have so many meetings. I don't have time to follow up. <laughs> Dude, not following up in the sales world is like doing work on someone's house and not giving them an invoice. Yeah. So you're opening opportunities, but you realize you get paid when they actually close. Right. Yeah. But they're so caught up in meeting counts and meeting activity and, and da, 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 that they don't have time to follow up, which by the way, is also a common pillar. Yeah is to have, you know, a follow-up system usually has some pillars involved with it and things like that. But it's uh, prospecting, I'll be honest. I mean, that is one of the most exciting learning pillars there are. Yeah. I know you had my friend Stu on the podcast and people like you, and I'm going down your list of podcast episodes. And I'm like, dude, 
90% of people have never even been introduced to some of these concepts. It is not hard when you think human to human, it's not hard to get someone to respond. Yeah. It's just not. It's when you're robotic, when you're business to business, when you look like everybody else. Yeah. One thing I pick up from your system too, is it adds a lot of intentionality and purpose into like what you're doing every day. I don't know if this is a generational thing or not, but I think of like how my grandparents raised my parents and they didn't like read books on how to parent better or how to have a healthier marriage or like anything like that. They just freaking did it. And I feel like that's how most salespeople approach prospecting, especially it's like, well, no one ever sat down and told me the fundamentals of how to make a good cold call or how to write a good email or copywriting or anything like that. So I just do it. I don't even think about it. I like talking about pattern interruption a lot. You're kind of like derailing that pattern of like, look at the areas where you normally slip into a routine that doesn't work and like cut that off, do something different. (laughs) You actually (laughs) make it harder on yourself. Salespeople are some of the toughest people. When companies hire me and it's to work with a sales force, it's one of the hardest ways for me to work because when someone hires me, they know what I'm about and they're intentionally saying, help me, right? Mm. But when I'm kind of sprung on a bunch of salespeople and they're like, oh, great, here we go again, right? Yeah. Things like this, like I talk about learning the words to the song. Yeah. Do you know how many songs you know the words to that don't make you any money yet? you don't have an effective message that you know inside and out, backward and forward, what I call a clarifying conversation once you've done your presentation, right? You need to know that. And they're like, well, I don't like to role play. I don't think it's natural. I feel like if I memorize things, Brian, I sound robotic. That's a bunch of bullshit. Yep. That's just people who basically are saying they're not comfortable learning it. So they just want to wing it because it's more comfortable to wing it. And those are the same people who say, oh, I had a bunch of good meetings which makes the hair on my neck stand up, right? Yeah. No one cares about good conversations. Is it an effective meeting? Yeah. Did you go in there with an agenda and did you leave with clarity? Yeah. Right? That's an effective meeting. When you actually memorize the words to the song, the opposite, you don't sound robotic. You sound like you know what you're doing. You're very succinct. You're to the point. You're effective. You're whatever. It's just a comfort level. I don't like to role play. Uh, It's not natural. No, you just don't want to role play. Yeah. You don't want to do the stuff you don't like doing. Yeah. God, that's such a good point with the songs. I never thought about that because there is so much controversy in in this space around scripts and if you should use a script and like all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, you should have a really, really good idea of how you want to open up a call (laughs) when someone picks up, you know? (laughs) Look, I'm not saying you have to take a script from somebody else. But any salesperson or entrepreneur who's not always working on their messaging, Mm -hmm. they're just fooling themselves. They think they're better than they really are because they confuse comfortable with good. I remember sitting in the back of a sales presentation one time with a guy who was worth all this money, millions of dollars. He was actually kind of an indirect mentor of mine. And the guy at the front of the room was just killing it. And I was like, isn't he good? And he goes, he's horrible. And I go, what do you mean he's horrible? He goes... He's like, they love him. He's entertaining. He's making them laugh. They're engaged. He's like, but he's completely not effective. He goes, nobody's yeah. going to buy. And he was right. He's like, nobody's <laughs> going to buy here. And the guy thought he was great because he was great in front of the room, but he wasn't effective. Yeah. And you know, from your own study of like messaging and different things, look, there's certain words that are visceral that turn people off that we don't even know. There's messaging is everything. Yep. The words you use, you should always be working on it. Yep. And if you're a salesperson and you're not getting in the door or you're not converting, guess what? 
It's the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Your story's not good enough. Your analogies aren't good enough. You're not hitting the pain points, period. I like how we can look at this in terms of these pillars too. I love what you said about the activity target essentially being like sending emails if they aren't effective, that's not a pillar. Like you should be investing more time in the learning pillar. Right. So essentially we can look at this like this super habit is the one thing that I do make a consistent habit of is I use the index card or piece of paper or whatever you're using for it and you execute on those pillars. That's the super habit. Yeah, because like I hate working out. Me too. <laughs> you know, those people that talk about like the endorphins and they love the hot. I've never experienced that in my life. I think life. they're full of shit, by the way. <laughs> like this is like a 0.1% of people that actually love it this much. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about, but I despise yeah. working. Now, I love having worked out. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm real happy after I work out. Yeah. And here's what's funny. Despite hating working out, I work out. And again, this is a pretty low bar, but I probably work out more consistently, I feel, than 95% of this country. Yeah. Which is, you know, I don't think much of this country can actually say they consistently work out three times a week. Yeah. I mean, for long periods of time, like for years, right? And I can say that, and I've never developed the habit of working out, and I've never liked working out. But guess what? You know why I hit my workouts every week? Because they're a pillar. Yeah. And my desire to hit my pillars, my need to close that loop, I'll work out twice on a Friday Yeah. if I have to, because my weeks go from Saturday to Friday in the pillar system. So even though I don't like working out because it's a pillar, I know it's getting done. I work out more to hit the pillar than I do to work out, if that makes sense. Ooh. That's why pillar execution is a super habit because anything you put in there is going to get done. Yeah. So I want to dig in with you on that because we talked about this the last time that we spoke. There's almost this like identity transformation that takes place. Because one thing I wrote a post about this on LinkedIn, I was like, hey, you don't need to like prospecting. Like if you're trying to like making cold calls, like that's just an uphill battle that you're never going to probably like it. But there are people, like you're saying, that consistently do it day in, day out. They do this thing that they don't like doing right. because it's like part of their identity. Is there any element of that? Because like what you said there, what I took from that is like, well, Brian's identity is he hits his pillars. Like the thing that he puts on the card, he does that no matter well, what. That is who he is. How do you teach that? <laughs> you don't. Here's what I do. Once I've helped someone identify their pillars, the whole back portion of the book and the back part of the online course is on these things called cap strategies, right? Yep. Because to turn something into a habit, there is a little bit of a struggle for a while. Yep. Meaning you're going to have to do something consistently for a while. You're going to have to do something consistent until it becomes habitual. You have to pay that price. Like in the one thing, like the greatest quote in that book, the one thing about success is not a marathon, it's a sprint. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to butcher the quote for those listening, but basically Gary Keller talks about this BS, the myth of discipline, right? And he says, Look, it's not that successful people are more disciplined than you. It's that it's not a marathon of discipline. It's a sprint. And it's a sprint just long enough to create the habit so that the habit then takes over. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes easy. And so I have these cap strategies, these custom accountability. And what they are is there's like 20 of them where depending on your strengths and what you need and what you like, these are the things you can incorporate to hit your pillars consistently long enough to make it a habit. So you were talking about not liking prospecting. And I can tell you that one of the cap strategies is change what you call it, right? I have clients who call it scratch off lottery tickets. You know, what's the fun of lottery tickets? You don't expect to win every time. 
But you know what? It's fun to scratch them off each time and see if you nail something big. Yeah. So if you just change the language you use, digging for gold. Yeah. Right. The fun of digging for gold is like it's dirt, 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 gold. Versus when you think about prospecting, it's the same thing. It's like, how fun is this? I'm going to do this. And then I know what's going to happen. If I do enough of this, bing, I'm going to hit on something. Right. Yeah. So often changing your language helps. But one of the cap strategies is changing your identity, exactly what we probably talked about last time, meaning one of the most powerful ways to change is to change your identity. And you can't do it for everything. But I made a decision a long time ago when I came up with this system for myself. I wasn't coaching or consulting at the time. I said, I know that most people wouldn't be able to do this consistently. Mm -hmm. Consistency is not what most people are good at. And I said, I kind of want to change my identity. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to actually be the opposite of what I felt I was. I wanted to be the consistent guy. I wanted to be that annoying guy that everyone's like, how do you do that stuff so consistently? You must be a weirdo or different. And I'm like, I kind of wanted to be that. So I changed my identity. And I was like, I hit my pillars. It's what I do. And so there's no tips or tricks needed. I just know that's what I do, period, end of story. Yeah. It's kind of like someone who doesn't drink. They don't make a decision. They're not like, oh, well, I haven't drank in 15 years. I'm not talking about somebody who's got a problem. I'm saying people who just don't drink. I'm saying, I haven't drank in 15 years, but sure, I'll take a beer tonight, right? It's not even a decision to be made. It's, hey, would you like a beer? No, thanks. I don't drink. Right. Right. Are you one of those people? You just don't drink, right? Yeah. Is it a decision every time? I do drink, but I was just sort of talking. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Okay. No, it's all good. (laughs) I did not do it for a while, but that was sort of how I didn't deal with really any resistance at all. You know, I didn't drink for like three years. Two years ago, I broke it. I just was like, hey, I don't drink. Right. I didn't do anything like, hey, I'm trying to stop drinking or anything like this. No, I I just don't drink. It's just not something that I do. And no one gave me shit about it at all. 99% is hard. 100% is easy. You've heard that, right? Yeah. My dad, for example, and this many years ago, my dad's fine. He's in his late 70s. He had a health scare when he was, it was probably 30, 40 years ago, whatever it was. Mm. I've never seen my dad eat a hamburger. I've seen him pick a fry off someone's plate. And when you see it, it's like everyone get a picture, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but what it is, is my dad hasn't been fighting it for all these years. When my dad's driving down the road, even if he's hungry, if he passes a McDonald's, he's not having that battle that most of us have, which is, oh man, why don't I just go through the drive through and get that garbage and whatever? He looks at the McDonald's like a gas station. It's not even an option. Yeah. He just doesn't eat that kind of food, period. There's no decision to be made. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with this identification, this super habit, which is, look, I hit my pillars. Yeah. I remember being on stage with one of my more successful clients and people started peppering him with, even though I was there and he was on the panel, I remember people started peppering him with questions because they had known about his success and, and different things. And they're like, well, what's your strategy? And we were talking about something. And he, he literally like pulled his index card out of his suit thing. It was like, all oh, crumpled. that's so cool. He actually has it yeah. in his wallet and like a rubber band. And he's like, this is what I do. He's like, I do this every week. These are the five things I do. He goes, I've had the same plan. I modify it, but I've had the same basic strategy for the last six years. Yeah. Well, how did you do that? And he just keeps holding the card up. He's like, this is what I do. Yeah. And you know what? By doing it consistently, I get better at all of it. Yeah, I love this, man. I got one more thing I want to ask you about real quick. Yeah. And that's to kind of bring this conversation full circle. It's like, how do we be more intentional in a position that's very results-based, where it's not about the hours that I work, it's about the mm-hmm. results that I get. 
and it's about shutting off. By adopting this approach of making it more about the things that are in my control, does that sort of mentally allow someone to shut off as well? It's like, hey, I can do these things. These are in my control. It's not something I'm measuring myself off of. Like, for example, if you said, hey, I'm going to make cold calls until two people pick up that I talk to and no one's picked up all day. So I just keep going and going and going, (laughs) which is kind of how it gets taught, which is like so unhealthy, you know, for people to manage a team like that. So what are your thoughts on that, the shutting off part? Whereas an entrepreneur would say, if you're calling all day and no one's picking up, that means what you're doing isn't that effective. And let's go back to the drawing board. But so I said earlier about the Friday night feeling, I kind of mentioned it in passing. The number one positive thing I hear about the pillar system, the simplifying your business down to the index card, it's not even the money and sales. And that's all nice. It's the Friday night. Because as salespeople, as entrepreneurs, as results-based professionals, nobody tells us when work is over. There's always more we could be doing, right? And so the idea that when you hit your pillars, you know you did what you needed to do that week, and it's just a matter of time and pressure, that's what allows you to shut off on a Friday. Yeah. That's what allows you to shut off. It's the, we call it the Friday night feeling. It was something I did not expect to be a big deal, but it's always the thing most people say. They're like, I love shutting down and knowing that I did what I needed to do. Yeah. Because like we said, sales is one of the more dangerous occupations where we try something for a little while, we don't get an immediate result and we change directions and we change directions again. And then we, and that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. God, it makes it so hard. You know, it's kind of like working out. I mean, if you were trying to lose weight, you wouldn't put so much pressure on yourself to like look at the scale before and after a workout and be like, oh, I didn't lose weight. What the hell? You know, like you wouldn't really look at it like that. Let me be very clear about something especially when you're younger, if you've never worked out and then you start working out, you know, after like three, four, five weeks, you actually see muscle, right? Like you see results when you're younger. I'm telling you right now, if it took six to eight months to get a result, there wouldn't be a person in the gym. Yeah. The only reason that stuff is attractive to people is because you do see results relatively quick, right? You don't see weight dropping off the same day, but you start seeing things and whatever, but yeah. That's what's called the proactive significant. If there's no immediate consequence, we procrastinate on it. You tell me what's wrong with someone's business, and I promise you it's in that category, proactive significant. It's something that does not have an immediate consequence for not doing it. Yeah. Dude, this is a good conversation, man. I know you got to take off here. Where can people go to learn more about your system? And like, you got a course, it sounds like. Where can people go to learn more about you, man, and get more of your content? I'll keep it real simple. It's what I like to do. I don't have 10 million handles or anything like that. I'm just <laughs> go to productivitygiant.com and you'll find everything. Cool. Productivitygiant.com. You can grab a free copy of the book and find anything else you want. That was a super fun interview with Brian. One of my favorite parts that he talks about is this like kind of like power habit, like the pillar system. If you make the habit, like I get my pillars done, there's like this identity change that takes place where you are a person that does what you say that you are going to do and prospecting especially i think is like this because i don't know about you i don't really like cold calling i do it i don't really like sending cold emails but i do it because it's necessary right it might be a hundred percent of your job if you're a bdr or sdr or an ae it might be the thing that you do a couple hours a day right if you're doing any other full cycle sales position it might be something that's maybe 20 percent of your week 10 percent of your week whatever it is If you treat it like exercising and say, this is good for me, it's good for my long-term future, and I need to do it regardless of whether I like it or not, you can create that identity shift, right? Where you are a person that gets shit done. 
regardless of the circumstances. And that was my big takeaway from this. So I appreciate you tuning in. I do have a quick favor to ask you. We could definitely use some more reviews in the podcast and I'd love to get an honest review from you. If you've listened to the podcast this far, hopefully you found some value in it and I would love an iTunes review. You can do that at blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes, or you can just in the iTunes player, just open it up, scroll to the bottom, leave a quick review. I'd really appreciate it so we can continue getting on great guests like Brian. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later.